The line about Andre the Giant, this is some f funny trivia. I, I played this song on my radio show in college, and you could play like indecent material after 10 at a late night show, but Word. you couldn't play obscene material. And I got in trouble for that line about Andre the Giant. Um, <laughs> one of the station managers called was like, you cannot play this. This is going to get us in trouble with the FCC. Yo, it's Hatchet Chat with Lurs and Snacks. Your juggalo homies talking hatchet tracks. There's hatchet beats and hatchet raps. The whole catalog's packed full of classic gems. And we talk about them all on, on Hatchet, hatchet Chat. Chat. Whoop, whoop. Juggalos, you know what's up. Not forgotten, always fresh. You know I have an affinity for this, this one. Forgotten Freshness 3 is my favorite, Ed, because it has some really wicked, dope, horrorcore songs and a lot of fun stuff like the family song at the end the vanilla ice feature like it's just like a record that's like whoa it's like stuff that it has the energy of malenko right. but it also has like the eclecticness of the wraith and that's because it's like kind of a mid-era thing and they're also nostalgic on this record uh exactly but yes yeah do you what is it, snacks tell me your feelings about it and then we'll talk about the release date and all that 100%. So I like, you know, pretty much all the Forgotten Freshnesses and, you know, the newest one, Volume 6, I thought was really dope. I do think that this is my favorite, and that might be because of nostalgia. It's actually one of the first ICP albums I came across in the store. Yeah, I just love this album, and I totally agree. Because, you know, they were further along in their career than when they dropped 1 and 2, you know, that nostalgia factor added in with the fact that it is kind of an unreleased compilation or rarities compilation and stuff kind of just makes it you know feel very special and it's just it's just such a solid compilation i i love this album so you got the you got the album there does it have liner notes because i know forgotten freshness has dope liner notes yes sir so just like the previous ones they got the uh liner notes uh, the original original forgotten freshness volume one you know did have some descriptions but then with the re-release volume one and two is when they really started going all out with the origins of the songs and um, this one continued that tradition so a lot of the information that we have for this episode is going to be directly from here as far as uh, where these songs came from and uh, you know they got some great pictures in here too from past eras uh, and right up until this era i believe such a dope uh, booklet look at that they got jump steady with violent j that was one of his characters like the cop character from I, yeah uh, i think he Big yeah, I think, yeah that's right i think he played a cop in the background in addition to a couple of other roles that's what's up well this is the third installment and it features rarities unreleased songs collabs uh it was dropped on december 18th 2001 a week before christmas for all the juggalos to get excited about you know christmas or whatever and um it was number 10 on the top independent charts which is pretty good um it was kind of holding people over between uh, jekyll brothers and uh the wraith i mean it, and it dropped after dark lotus and before yeah. the second Dark Lotus, right? Before the re-release? Yeah, this is only a couple of months. So I think uh, Dark Lotus was in the summer, late summer of 2001. And then this dropped in the winter of 2001. So this is right in that era. The intro has like an ad for the uh, Ringmaster show in Detroit. And it's kind of cool because they're already starting to reference their origin. And we'll talk about this a lot. Like this becomes a common theme of theirs. Like this just there. It's cool to be like people who didn't hear that ad it's like a cool mashup it even has that deal with your own creation which is from uh psychopathic from carnival carnage right yeah like that's right it's like an interesting uh 
overlay. So what else about that song? Yeah, so it's a great way to open it up again, hitting home that nostalgia. And the liner notes explain how, you know, even though this commercial is promoting like the Ringmaster tour, you know, ICP weren't really, you know, doing full-blown tours, but they would circuit between Detroit, Flint, and Toledo. And, uh, you know, according to the liner notes, this was actually promoting one of those small regional tours that they did. And that goes into an original track uh, that was made for this compilation, Cartoon Nightmares, produced by Mike P. Now, this song is interesting. I mean, it's, it's one of the first times Jay talks about how he's smoking weed now, right? Right. He has that that's line. That's right. And he says that he, start, he told Megaran and I he started smoking weed with Blaze around that time. Uh, what's the back masked line? So, dude, I know why they took it out, man, because basically the full line says, I hijack planes and crash them into record label towers. <laughs> Okay, uh, they probably yeah they would just see how far they could go. Um, yeah, but they if they thought better of it, I think probably when it. the craziness and the horror set in, um, because another song in the liner notes talks a little bit about nine eleven. Um, so I think they just thought, yeah, you know what, no, let's not go that far. Let's let Snacks and Lars decipher it twenty years later. Um, there's, I was thinking that this sounds a lot like Zug Island, but you were talking about how Mike P worked on this record and he was working with Zug Island before Dark Lotus. So it's kind of like, that's why it was like Mike P's style, but it's a very like, this could be a Zug Island song for sure. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It definitely got that rock style that, that those Mike P, you know, production stylings. And yes, like in the liner notes, again, uh, referencing those it actually mentions that Mike P did work on Zug Island before working on Tales from the Lotus Pod because he did uh, ah. you know, quite a bit of production for that album. Where they say, like, success is preparation and being the right place. You know what I mean? Like, that dude was ready and they needed someone. Clark, Mike Clark was available and his style was tight. Rap totally. metal was huge. It's interesting how, like, it's so weird. I think one of the best rhymes is science fiction brain incision. That's tight. Um, totally. And then walk like an Egyptian. I'm like, what the heck? What? Like some of those lines, I'm like, that's an old reference that my generation kind of didn't even know. It's like, yeah. That's like sheer or something, isn't it? It thinks the bangles. Okay, the Bengals word. Okay, yeah. The line about Andre the Giant, this is some f- funny trivia. I-, I played this song on my radio show in college, and you could play like indecent material after 10 at a late night show, but word. you couldn't play obscene material. And I got in trouble for that line about Andre the Giant. Um, <laughs> one of the station managers called was like, you cannot play this. This is going to get us in trouble with the FCC. Allegedly, that happened. So I was like, oh, that's the line between saying the F word and like being obscene about graphic. <laughs> I could definitely Did, see that line crossing over into obscene territory. That's not for college radio. God, right. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I had a lot of chutzpah. Putting, playing that um totally the, that's the, dope that you did play it though it's such a it's <laughs> such a great song man and, and then what else uh the uh there's an arm in my trunk it reminds me of how on what's that like long track that has who took the chicken up the plate and put it in the fridge it's like just weird choruses stacked on choruses yeah right? the, um the real underground baby from hell's yeah Pit. It's like that. It's like, let's put as many weird choruses as we can. He does totally. the Pearl Jam, the Pearl Jam, like, interpolation thing. 
Absolutely. It really jumps around to where it's like not just straight up like verses. They're just kind of going from, you know, topic to topic, you know, different melodies. It's it's very kind of sporadic, but it's so dope. And it speaks to the depth of ICP's catalog because from these Forgotten Freshness, you know, albums, you actually have songs that become Juggalo classics. You know what I mean? Like hmm. their rarities and B-side collection albums, you know, again, they, they become classics. And I just think that that is, uh, you know, I don't know how many bands could say that. Uh, you know, it's like also we look, we find another example of a literary technique that that Jay is very good at called enjambment. And so that's when the poet enjams the line, turns the line so that a logical phrase is interrupted. I'm talking about me and Billy Bill, we put an arm in Shaggy's trunk. He would have never known it, but it stunk so bad. That's when you make the line go over and you make the listener think that the sentence is over, but you have more to say. So that's an example of enjambment. Um, Dude, Let me give I you a didn't si- know the, that had like a name. I'm familiar with the technique. That's awesome. Here's, here's a line, an example of Shakespearean enjambment from Romeo and Juliet. When he shall die, take him and cut him out in little stairs, and he will make the face of heaven so fine that all the world will be in love with night and pay no worship to the garish sun. Lines two and five have a certain cadence, but lines one, three, and four surprises your ear. Very um, cool. That's what's up. Uh, get, okay, so Ned, Posse on Werner is such a freaking classic. This yes. was from... Take out, bite out a rhyme, a rock tribute to rap, which had Dynamite's "Boys in the Hood" cover. Lords of Brooklyn had a song on it. Adam from Lords of Brooklyn actually worked on some of the Robot Kills demos, which is oh, kind of no random. Way. And Jerky Boys have an outro song on it, the Bam track from Jerky Boys Three. But right. also, Manless Self Indulgence do "Bring the Pain." Yeah, ICP would tour with with them. Bloodhound Gang cover Run DMC, and this was always a really interesting compilation because i think it exposed a lot of people to like old school rap for sure uh, i love this cover but they couldn't when you do a cover you can't change the words so on the on the like legally right icp doesn't really care but like on a mass produced rock rap compilation they had to keep posse on broadway but here they changed it back what's good with that snacks yeah the liner notes talks about that as well um and do Super dope cover, like you said, of, of a Sir Mix-a-Lot track, Posse on Broadway. Um, and on the version of Take a Bite at a Rhyme, a rock tribute to rap, the chorus does say my posse's on Broadway. But for this version, the chorus is, it says my posse's on Werner, reflecting, you know, uh, Detroit's Werner Avenue that ICB, of course, were familiar with in their hometown. And there's also a scratch section on the comp, the uh Take a bite at a rhyme version that isn't on this version. That's the only other notable difference. But both versions are dope. But the you know shout out to Detroit is uh, you know I prefer I do prefer this version. You know in the Nardwar interview, uh, Nardwar flips Shaggy's wig by pulling out a Sir Mix-a-Lot record, and it's like it's like obvious ICB were Sir Mix-a-Lot fans before Baby got back. You know what I mean? Or like right. down with Seattle's favorite rapper, West Coast rapper. That's right. Yeah, yeah they they often they've always said in interviews they get mad when people call Sir Mix a lot of one hit wonder because to them he wasn't and he wasn't he had so many rap classics you know he's a legend. Fly away. So this is our first taste of Zug Island track four. So two things. It reminds me of Miracles because they're just listing like magical things. So when That's Miracles right. came out, I'm like, this is like Fly Away, but everyone's like. <clears throat> They don't understand physics. They don't understand magnets. <clears throat> and every, all the jugglers are like, wait, we kind of we've heard this before. Um, 
poetic song. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about Snacks, and I want to drop some knowledge on one of the lyrics. Totally. Yeah, man. I love this song. It's super dope, poetic. I definitely can see, you know, that Miracles, uh, you know, similarity. And it also kind of reminds me of Joke Your Mind as well with some of that fantasy type imagery. Beautiful song. Uh, One of the more notable things mentioned in the liner notes about this song is that, uh, you know, it's it mentions that this is really a Zug Island song featuring ICP, not the other way around. And uh, it, the, the song was going to make its way onto Zug Island's upcoming album at the time, which in the liner notes is referred to as 627 West End. But, uh, of course, many Juggalos know the first Zug Island uh, album ended up being called Cracked Tiles. But love this song. It's so good. Jay has a couplet. Glide through cities of brick and stone. Come on, broken arrows of ancient Rome. Now, that line is poetic because Rome's first, like, limitation and expansion was that they had a bias against that against archers because that was seen as like a western mediterranean greek cultural thing that they didn't want to assimilate it felt like it was debasing the art of war like with them they would fight hand and foot and um their armies were kind of like the phalanx you'd go through with the armor and the and the and the swords and like you wouldn't use archers because that seemed kind of uh whack but eventually they adopted them and though they never adopted the crossbows the roman arrow became a very interesting sign of their empire but it took them a while to finally say look the reason why we're losing ground in some of these places is because there's a limitation to what we could do so the broken arrows of rome is interesting because it's like not only is it the decay of the might of one of the first western imperial civilizations but also an acknowledgement that they had to acquiesce to the cultures of what was popular and what was working and if i make it metaphorical that might be like icp being like all right we'll do rap metal songs it's fine and then people look through the wreckage of it and they're like oh look at this moment when like rome realized that they had to give in to this sort of technology that was keeping them from expanding that they had a bias against so that's what's up i i th- i don't think it's an intentional metaphor but i think learning about the history of roman archery teaches us a little bit about violent jay's prescient line master of enjambment master of the history of imperial conquest and the de- <laughs> the death of the roman uh, expansion and so that's what's up Dope, that's man. Up. That's that lit hop knowledge. That's why I miss you on these episodes, brother. Tight. Tangents, bro. Track five, it. Now, this was this was based on the song from Dark Lotus's album. And we talked about this. But the chorus right. is the same, but but it's just like Jay went off. Uh, talk about this. Like, was this demo first? I'm trying to figure out like yeah, did he just say, "Hey, let's let me write more. I'm not done." Yeah, great question. You know, the liner notes uh, mentioned that this is one of two songs that resulted from Violent J just craving going to the studio. He was bored. He hit up Mike uh, Clark. They went to the studio and they took off the lyrics, the raps from uh, the Dark Lotus song, something slash cripple and uh, R A P E me. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, Jay did his verses, like he said, he's just talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a good question. The line, if the liner notes are are accurate, then the Dark Lotus song came first. That's what's up. Um, run is interesting because it has a really cool, like Irish flute intro. Yeah. I don't know. Do you like run? Cause I think that's like, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not feeling this. I, I do like this song. It, uh, you know, uh, like apparently it was a song that ICP kind of did to feel out Mike P as a producer just working with him and they didn't really know where to put it 
interestingly enough, it was uh, released with the one of the Pendulum comics, issue 11, which also came out in the same month of the same year. So they didn't really know where to put it, and then I guess they kind of you know found a spot for it with both this compilation and, and that release. Um, but I do think it's it's a it's a fun song, you know. Uh, the the fight lyrics are I think kind of indicative of that era. But you know, it's a it's a pretty pretty cool song. The the flute melody reminds me of Lucy by Aesop Rock. Word, uh, okay, yes. Check it out. Check. I don't know if it's, it's intentionally like that, but it's like a similar sort of melody. Totally. Track seven. So we know that there's a whole thing with Eminem. It's funny how when you Google any like ICP from this era. Or go on YouTube. Everything that recommend is recommended is like the history of Eminem's top ten beefs. Like it's always, right. you know what I'm saying. Like this air is a footnote to Eminem's, like I don't know, uh, legacy. But this is another diss about yes. Eminem. I'll let you talk about snacks. I don't have much to say about this one. This song was originally released when the beef was, you know, at a ties point. Uh, the beef has thankfully fizzled out now between the two, you know, Detroit icons. Hopefully, maybe there'll be some sort of working together. Uh, you know, of course, Eminem shouted ICP out, what, what could be perceived as a couple of shout outs on some of his newer stuff. So it's all good now, but at a time, you know, it wasn't all good. And this is, you know, a very direct this song released towards Eminem. It was originally released for download on the ICP website, and it was also released with the Pendulum comic issue number six. What is also interesting about this song is that the beat, it's a, you know, it definitely is a reference to No Vaseline by Ice Cube, which is, of course, a, you know, a, one of the most famous diss songs of all time by Ice Cube towards N.W.A. And that beat samples Daz by a band called Brick. And this beat also samples Daz by Brick. But it doesn't seem to be just like the instrumental taken. It seems to be a remade, like a, a different like beat because it also samples uh, Brick's uh, Duzik. And, you know, some deep Juggalo trivia. It This version of this beat, whoever produced it, I'm not sure if it was Mikey Clark or wherever, but it existed yeah. years before this. Uh, it was the beat for the last song on the Gold Goldies album. And even the chorus of that song is the same, but instead of dissing Eminem, it's, it's dissing one of the members of Golden Goldies, Golden Spud. They also... Um, Reference forgot about Dre in the lyrics of the intro, and uh, they sample "Impeach the President" uh, by the Honey Drippers and "Prelude" by N.W.A. in that intro before the actual song kicks off. Holler, that's great analysis. Um, the song with Three Six Mafia. So the Mafia Six would later be a collab with some of the Three Six Mafia people in ICP. We opened for them the gathering, and that was tight. Um, Word, that's so fresh. I'd heard Sippin' on some Scissor, and I bought this album because I was like, what? ICP's on this too? And I thought it was so tight because it was like, they're always trying to put Twisted on everything they did. Right. Twisted sound great great on this. 3-6 Mafia had kind of had the, had this beef with Bone Thugs and Harmony about who was more evil, right? So they were kind of like in the horrorcore <laughs> world. This song is, is just an example of how like other underground sets from different places were respecting what ICP was doing. There's an example of Onomatopoeia, where Jay's like, did you hear that? This is me. Da 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 da. Great example of onomatopoeia we use in hip hop workshops and classrooms everywhere. 100%. And both like Madrox's verse and Jay's verse talk about using chainsaws in unexpected ways. Like Madrox talks about doing drive bys with chainsaws, 
and Jay says we stab people with chainsaws but like when you think about chainsaws they're not used really to stab so they're both using circumlocution to use an unexpected metonymy with their lyrical skills how these sort of weapons can be uh, re reinforced to uh, show their flavor but it's interesting how they both use the same term and I wonder who wrote their verse first you hear Jamie's first but I, I don't know I don't know. Do you right. ever think about that? The, cha- no, the weird, but both reference chainsaws I, I, weirdly. I actually never noticed that, and again, learning about these actual techniques. You know, putting names to the techniques, <laughs> and super great song, super cool banger. It was. It's dope that Three Six hit up ICP. Uh, you know, it talks about that in the booklet, and of course, ICP were ecstatic to do it. Uh, and it, yeah, it appeared on Three Six's uh, album when the smoke clears, sixty six, sixty one, and uh, made it to this. Great record, such a, a banger. Also interesting from the booklet, it mentions how maybe someday there would be a supergroup between ICP and Three Six Mafia. Wow. And like you mentioned, many years later, we got the Killjoy Club, which is you know uh, several members from Three Six with with ICP. You know, it's interesting. Later, Gangsta Boo would do a song with. Yellow Wolf and Eminem on um, Radioactive, which was on Yellow Wolf's record, and she's the one doing the hook on this. She she would leave Three Six Mafia, but it's funny right. how like r- right after this song, the Eminem diss, there's this connection there. Totally, um, one of the underground bro rappers ever, man. Gangsta Boo kills it. Yeah, she's dope. Take it. Okay, so. This is like, is this about God or something? Like, what do you think? Or, so, or, yeah, so uh, apparently this song was originally, you know, just Violent J kind of uh, imagining what it would be like, you know, come Judgment Day where you had to witness a friend, you know, going to hell, being tormented by Satan, and there was nothing you could do to help them as much as you wanted to. You would just be like, sorry, I can't, you know, help you. You're just going to have to take it, and that's what this song is about. And, you know... As you just alluded to, like it does have a very big spiritual theme. And this was pre Wraith, you know, before the unveiling. But one of those clues, you know, to where hindsight is always 2020, it's almost hard to imagine being so surprised by the unveiling because of the yeah. references to God. And, you know, this is one of them, especially when it talks about the booklet, like the original meaning of the song. It would later make its way. On to uh, WCW Mayhem the Music because ICP gave it to Vampiro to use as his entrance theme, which is also very noteworthy. And this came out before Forgotten Freshness Volume 3, so I thought that was cool. But what do you think about this song, dude? I think that, well, well, something interesting is that Jay's purposeful misuse of the subjunctive right because it's supposed to be like if it were up to me i would never dare you if it were up to me i would but he says was and uh right so that's but like no one uses the subjunctive properly like you know joan osborne's song what if god was one of us it should be what if god were one of us that's what's up let's go to superstar first of all the chorus of this you know the song cotton candy and popsicles from the wraith right yes sir where the woman goes thank you shaggy sweetness that's the yeah. same melody of the chorus da, 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 da. i wonder Word. if that's a reference to this you re- you know what i'm talking about right i do now i never noticed it but now that you mention it yeah that that's that's like i'm so famous that da, 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 da. that's the melody I, I, I just could be a coincidence but i was like wait i've heard that melody yeah man that's super cool you know i i it's it's always wild how that can happen in music and like because I didn't notice it as as a fan. And another example of that, like 
how something can kind of just work its way in. I, I you know, probably just in the artist's psyche. Uh, Won't you be my prom queen and uh-huh. walk into the darkness? I had oh, yeah. never ever noticed yeah. that until a commenter on our Hell's Pit episode had done it. And you know, I'm sure all us musicians do that, but I never noticed that connection. That's dope. Good catch. It's just a, a moment. Real quick, this you know is the second song. Um, uh, similar to it, where it uses a dark lotus beat from a you know spontaneous studio session with Jay and Mikey Clark, and just kind of talks. It's Jay imagining what it would be like to be you know an over the top celebrity, and kind of it satir- satirizes that uh, you know absurd lifestyle. Of course, because it is the dark lotus beat, it uh, also has the sample of Quincy Jones' Snow Creatures. Yeah, that song's fun. Uh, it's also like Down with the Clown. It's like, what happens if I sell out? You know what right. I mean? It's the same premise with a bunch of scenarios. A hundred percent. Yeah, good Yeah, yeah. good point. It kind of has a similar theme, like imagining that situation. So let's talk about every Halloween. So I know. I think I... Did I send you snacks, the uh, Serial Killers uh, Half-Breed e- Serial Killers EP? Yes, you did. I got it on my shelf. And that's and so when Twisted left House of Crazies the night they came home, which I think I sent you too. I hope you have. Yep, yeah, you did. Yes, that that that's like uh, that base. That is Halfbreed. That's what Halfbreed became. And those two records right. are really cool because it's the same rappers just under different names. But there's a song called um, "F Halloween." He's like, I don't know why y'all think Halloween only comes once a year. It's the same melody of the guitar on every halloween here it's the same and it's like it came out like kind of a th- i think right before this I, jugglers should go listen because it's like about every halloween it's about what they feel about it and i i wonder if this is a nod to them because they had toured with saw with house of crazies with roc with house of crazies go and listen right. to it because it's it's the same da 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 only comes once a year you could hear that same melody on the on the guitar and the way the, the, they do the chorus on this might right. be on purpose might be an accident do you do you notice that i uh, no, i'm gonna have to go back and check that out though because even the similar theme is is very interesting talk about use some good info on this um Snacks. So such a dope song. Violent J basically is on the whole song. He's talking about how Halloween is the only day where he doesn't feel like a freak show because everybody dresses up scary and stuff. And it just really plays on that theme throughout the whole song in, you know, dope, creative ways. And uh, the booklet talks about how this song was actually, you know, because it was in October, you know, the the month right after the horrible tragedy of 9-11. And ICP, you know, were felt inspired to kind of do something that would get, you know, Juggalo's minds off it and people in general's minds <clears throat> off of that tragedy. So they actually yeah. recorded this song before it was released as the eighth Hallow Wicked single. They recorded it and sent it out to a bunch of radio stations, many of which, to ICP's surprise, played the song. So, and that is a huge theme in ICP's music, that kind of escapism. Escape. You know, a hundred percent, and I I think that's a cool origin of this song, and it's just executed so well. Good looking out on that background. Okay, mom song yes. with Rude Boy. This is fun. This is a fun track. This song inspired my line from Never Afraid with Watsky, where I say, "At home, you don't put up with that rapper ego trash because I'm still because to you I'm still Andrew, and I always treasure that." That's a reference to this. Totally. Where Jay that's says, awesome. "You don't you don't play that Mr. Fabus trash." Right. Uh, yeah, it's a mom tribute. This is the first time we've heard Rude Boy sing, right? He's had vocal cameos. 
right? The, yeah, one hundred percent, man, and he, he kills it. It's it's such a cool song, you know. Like the title says, tribute to Jay and Ruboy's mom, recorded on a random day on the Amazing Jekyll Brothers tour. I think it was originally played on the Hotline on Mother's Day. Uh, I'm not sure if, if it was this year or a year closer to the Jekyll Brothers. But uh, super cool song, uses the instrumental of Tupac's Changes, which samples um, The Way It Is by, I got it wrote down here, uh, Bruce, Bruce Hornsby. Hornsby. That's right, Bruce Hornsby in the range. Uh, super, super dope song. You know, I'm going to flip your wig. Like, E-40 has a song where he sampled Changes by Bruce Hornsby, and he wrote it independently at the same time Tupac's came out. So there's two versions of the Changes rap, which is interesting. No way. And they're both Bay Area MCs, and they both re- work together, and they released them at different times. So, yeah, so it's that's like a interesting Bay Area hip-hop history. Totally, knowledge. yeah, that's super cool. It's always interesting when things like that happen, like... You know, I don't know if it has to do with like a collective conscience or what, but like, you know, yeah. when, uh, you know, Paul Blart and Mall Cop came out, you also had like Observe and Report the exact same time. And it's like, or Ants and Bugs Life. That, yeah, 100% Ants and Bugs Life. Like, it's so weird when that happens, you know? Or the new, the new, uh, the new ICP history show by MC Desserts and DJ Sven called, uh, called Chainsaw. Discussion. It just dropped. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. You know. What are the chances? So two things about this. You know, when when Violent J was on Howard Stern in two thousand nine, when Bang Pow Boom came out, and Howard Stern's like, "So your mom's like your burden," and Jay's like, "This is not my burden. I love her." Howard was using it in a poetic tense of like, "She's someone you support who's part of your life and like gives you a mission." There's like two ways to use burden, right? They can either be like something that's hard or something that drives you and inspires you. And Jay's like, "She's not my burden. She inspires me." And I thought that was an interesting look into his love for his mom, and also like how Howard used the word poetically. But it's like people would say that a burden is like the gist of a speech, right? It's the reason why you do music. He's like, "No, I love her." So I thought that was tight. That is dope, and. You're you're right, man. Like Violent J, you know, there's no question he loves his mom, and you know his mom ended up being. I'm not sure if you've seen it, Lars. I think we might have talked about it, but his mom was a guest, I believe, on the third late night Funhouse talk show back yeah. when they were still doing Patreon. His mom was actually a guest with his uh, stepdad, who he just calls dad, and uh, you know it was just like a pretty intimate look. Because ICP do open up to the juggalos about certain things in their personal life, but a lot of times there's a, you know, they do, there's certain elements that are very private. And that was like a very intimate look at their relationship. And, you know, Violent J got emotional at one point. He recently talked about that on um, uh, one of the after shows of a Twitch stream recently about how his mom, like, was self conscious about it because she felt like maybe he, he, she did, like, you know, give back some of that emotion enough but she just didn't know how to, how to handle it because Violent J was getting so emotional and she probably wasn't used to being in front of the Juggalos but yeah. Violent J said he's not um, ashamed of that moment you know because it was something mm. that he shared with the Juggalos and it was genuine and it, it really is it, it was a very touching moment about how Violent J's mom always supported their dreams whether they were doing yeah. the backyard wrestling stuff so you hear all that love in this song it's so dope Shout out to moms everywhere. 100%. That's what's up. Um, the line, bringing, she was there when bringing them chairs back. I guess that means that she's like helping him sit down for dinner. I never really understood that rhyme. So good question, man. They talk about that in the Late Night Funhouse talk show. Um, 
uh, Vonage's mom used to work at a church and she would borrow chairs for the wrestling shows that they used to do when they were kids. My goodness. Glad I asked that. Of, of all the lines to ask. 100%. That's how involved she was, you know, and how encouraging she was to, you know, ICP's dreams and stuff. And, and that's so, so, so cool. When I got married, there's a, you always do like a dance with your mom or whatever. And I was wanted this to be our song. Uh, my mom and I, but we decided not to because of the swear- swearing and stuff. And we had, right. went with Baby Beluga by Raffi, which was tight. Um, no. The other song that got nixed was we wanted them to play Teenage Dirtbag when we left, but the church wouldn't let us. So we went with oh, no Ru- a Rush song. But like that's the thing. Like Sometimes songs that mean something to you, you can't like put in as part of your wedding ceremony. Like right. this song. <laughs> totally yeah exactly and you might not be able to play it on college radio either this, no. one, this one would probably pass vanilla ice is on this song insane killers which was off of bipolar um and also they did a song with him called swallow this something Expletive. on forgotten freshest four and then born <laughs> on halloween from wtf so icp kind of Road for Vanilla Ice. I loved him. At one point, he was almost signed to Psychopathic. Let's briefly talk about that because that's the whole thing that uh, they're obviously homies, you know. A hundred percent, man. And Vanilla Ice is a down ass juggalo, no question, dude. And and he's the man. As you mentioned uh, in the late two thousands, early two thousand tens, it was said that he was going to be releasing. He was signed to the label, going to be releasing an album. But then, you know, Vanilla Ice is a busy guy. He had like a TV show, uh, so that hasn't happened yet. But I mean, Vanilla Ice just played the last gathering. There was a yeah. pal talk with Shaggy and the Creep with Vanilla Ice interviewed. They're down by law, so hopefully we, you know, we might get that psychopathic Vanilla Ice album. He's been around. Um. This song is a reference to serial uh, Natural Born Killers by Dre and Ice Cube. Right. Uh, and then there's like, I feel like it's that I'm not effing around. It's like Be Real from Cypress Hill is either on the track or sampled because that's not on the Dre and Ice Cube song on the no. chorus. Yeah, no, there's a couple of like lyrics in the chorus that is, but I don't think that that is one of them. And, you know, some of them like, uh, like when it actually says like um, mass murder or natural born killers, like, that might be from the actual, um, like a sample from Natural Born Killers by Ice Cube and Dr. Yeah. Dre. But when Shaggy, I think it's actually Shaggy who says Iki Iki Aya, which is okay, from okay. Natural Born Killers. But it sounds like Shaggy, it's like more of like an interpolation. But definitely, you know, influenced by that song heavily and just a wicked shit banger. Uh, Gitchy Gitchy Ya Ya, that is a reference to the Lady Marmalade song, which Pink and uh, Lil Kim and all them covered. That's what that's a reference to. On the original. Dude, I didn't know that. Okay, word. So Which Ice is, Cube and Dr. Dre were referencing that, and then they got referencing that. this song. That's cool. Okay. And in prepping for this, I was playing this song, you know, today, getting the notes ready, and my, my one-and-a-half-year-old son, he starts walking around going, gitchy, gitchy, yeah, yeah, gitchy, gitchy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's what's up. Uh, what else? Oh, and there's like a line, you know, on this I Stab People Part 2, he's like, misery, stab me. Ooh. It's a similar thing. Jay's going around doing violent stuff, and someone's like, oh, you got a Stanley? And he stops killing. It's right. like a similar premise. His murder so spree dope. stopped by mutual respect. That's right. Lyrical yeah. tropes. Track 14, Confessions. Not the R. Kelly version or the Weird Al parody. This is a song of unknown origins, and it came out in, like, 96 they worked on it talk, let's talk about it, snacks you know a lot it's so crazy man like the line notes talk about how they're not even sure what this where this song really came from apparently mikey clark found it and gave it to you know psychopathic they used it for um 
this compilation. It wasn't released previously. Uh, the liner notes estimate estimate that it was recorded around 1996, and it definitely sounds like that. Like you, when you think about that, it almost sounds like almost you know after the Riddle Box, and you know probably maybe it was something being worked on for Malenko or a bit before Malenko. Maybe it was even being worked on for Riddle Box. Uh, a little bit earlier than 1996, but it's such a dope song for a song that's totally unreleased. It did make it to uh, Pendulum Number Eight. It was the single for that, but it, but it was not any uh, uh, albums or anything. It's from the perspective yeah. of someone giving a confession, uh, you know, and uh, examining why he has done the things he's done, and it's an early example of um, you know that kind of anti-clericalism that you find in ICP's music. You know, ICP, very spiritual, very pro-faith, pro-God, but they oftentimes will question organized religion and religious right. authority. And uh, I think this song is an early example of that. Crooked preacher killers, right? right? If, it's up, if, if, it's, if the power's corrupt. That's right, exactly. But they're also ecumenical in that they embrace all faiths, and they're not specifically Christian, which we've talked about a lot. But, but, but they talked about, what, in the audiobook, Jay says they roll for, with Jesus. Right. So, One way or the other, they're, they're definitely pro-faith and, and friendly to all forms of, of faith. And they're also friendly to wrestlers. Now, Vampiro gets high track 15 so this ended up on twist's freak show right jay coaching vampiro yeah well like a more i think probably from the same session the vampiro right. intro on that song i think this is like some outtakes from it and just so funny you know got that intro music that's found on maniac killer as well you know vampiro is a longtime homie of icp and uh, you know wrestling legend has also been on the late night funhouse talk show we talked about on the Dark Lotus episode how Vampiro was one of the members potentially of Dark Lotus originally. He talks about that. I'm one of the f- flower. What does he say? I'm one of the members or flowers? Yeah, on this petals of the lotus. Petals. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, Super dope. So take me home. Mm. Reminds me a lot of I'm coming home, and I'm going to talk right. real quick about how like it's kind of like the intro on Hatchet History, like. They're looking back, right? It's like looking back, reminiscing. And there's a, totally. there's a theme here that in uh, I'm Coming Home, he talks about his Valare car, right? Right. Home to my 72 Valare, praying it will last. Um, so let me talk to you a little bit about the history of the, uh, of the Valare car and cool. how it represents kind of like the integrity and dream of the Detroit vision. So like this car was designed by Plymouth. It became this very popular car, but it was recalled because it had a lot of safety concerns. And this guy named Lee Iacocca was famous for bailing out the auto industry after the Valaris were returned and there was all these safety issues. But certain people kept them because it represented like the pride in Detroit. They had the issues fixed, like there were issues with the, the hoods wouldn't latch or the engines would stall, like a lot of issues. So that's why Jay says, uh, home to my 72 Valari, praying it will last because those cars had been recalled. So it's like Word. this example of like, even if the world is not feeling these cars there, or even if things aren't perfect, we're going to rep them. And both these songs, right. the the Dodge, the uh, Plymouth 72 Valari becomes a metonymy for the home of Detroit. Like it's not perfect, but it's home. That car acts as this connection between the two. And it's interesting how 
the Detroit auto industry was saved by this dude who was controversial, Lee Iacocca, who was like the face for American industry. And in a way, that's like the whole Midwestern pride, working class identity of ICP and how they rep that specific car, which had a safety issue. But like that from the people who, you know, disregard the way they're told to act, what they're told to consume, told to drink the certain soda. I think it's interesting how both songs about their homegrown identity reference the specific piece of American auto industry and how it was saved by like government intervention. I thought that'd be tight to mention. You feel me? Absolutely, dude. I've said it before. <laughs> I'll say it again. I got this bandana on for a reason. It's keeping my wig on my dome because it would be flipped otherwise, man. That's very interesting. Um, you know, and yes, you're right. It, it is a common theme, kind of looking back fondly, you know, when you reach the destination about how the journey, uh, you know, you're nostalgic for where you came from and the journey to where you are now. And that's what this yeah. song, you know, is all about. And it has been a theme in ICP's music multiple times. This one was, was made just to close out the compilation specifically produced by Mike P., and uh, that the liner notes actually uh, mentioned that that singer is a girl named Amy from the band Blush. You also got Jump Steady uh, talking on the intro, you know, adding to that powerful nostalgia feeling. Love this song. Another example of a song that is on a B-Sides rarity album that actually became a Juggalo classic. I mean, they've used this song to close out concerts, you know what I mean? Juggalos love this song, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of my all-time favorite ICP songs. Take Me Home was re redone for Juggalo Day 2015. Such a classic with the Juggalos. But then we've got a special surprise so it's super cool like you said that they did this uh it's a hidden track so you know take me home there's a big gap at the end of the song and then if you you know didn't turn the cd off you'd come across this song and it's you know violent j and jump steady with their family you know uh violent j's mom is rapping on this jump steady's uh wife at the time nancy their daughter samantha who we heard on jump steady's later releases as well also a girl named chris i don't know who that is because Violent J on the outro of the song says my brother and my sister I don't know if he's referring to Jump Steady and no, his sister-in-law here, here she is while discussing this song during a Patreon exclusive live stream Jay said the girl on there Chris nobody knew who that was that was my girlfriend back then I met her at an in-store I went with Chris for four years we had a strange relationship but, we were, but we're still good friends I talked to her two days ago so that's Jay's girlfriend at the time. Word. Mystery solved. Okay, that, that makes sense then. Okay, awesome. And you know, at the end, at the end, they're like, it's so funny because they're like, we're family. We're family. It's like, yeah, we'll never die. I'll kill you if you get near my family. We're family. We're, and then, right? Yeah, the, the juxtaposition for that outro of like, yeah, Violet J being all like, you know, kind of aggressive. Violent and you know. scary. And then we're family. That is funny. I never noticed that juxtaposition. <laughs> just, it's really just like very... It's goofy. It's like, but it's like, that song is so fun. Well, we'll, let's wrap up this flavor. So what happened after this? This was the last Forgotten Freshness, right? Snacks, they were done after this? Because it's like, three is enough, right? Or what's good? (laughs) So no, they actually did carry uh, the Forgotten Freshness series on. Uh, Went all the way up to six, which was just uh, released back in 2019. I believe it was part of the VIP package from uh, a 2019 tour exclusive to that and also sold it, I believe, the 2019 gathering. 
Um, that was the most recent one. So we've gotten consistent ones so far. You know, it's an iconic series. But I think that because of the internet era, and we've talked about this. We mentioned this in the the other the one and two episode we did. In the, in the internet age, right? It's it, There's not as many yeah. rarities because things make their way onto things. And, you know, ICP is a band that does singles, all these one-offs that back in the day, a Forgotten Freshness would have been your first time to, to hear it if you didn't go to this certain show or you didn't have a friend dub the tape for you or something. But now things get posted online right away. If there's a Hallow Wicked song on a Forgotten Freshness, everybody has heard it already. So, uh, but they still manage, you know, especially with like album outtakes and stuff because Six had some serious, you know, curveballs on there, especially. That's what's up. I got the idea because I do the 21 concepts, 22 concepts, 23 concepts. It's like that's totally based on this. Like put out a series of records of unreleased songs. But at this point, it's like, yeah, I put out so much stuff on Patreon or whatever that it's just a way way of like like canonizing it in a way that people can access it. It's a cool little compilation. I have memories of listening to it in college because I started college at this time and listening to it a lot and just really enjoying it. Um, And... uh, yeah, it holds up. It's a fun compilation. One last thing I want to say is before the Romans appropriated the Western Mediterranean archery technology, there was a weapon they used with a wooden handle and a small blade. It was easy to carry. It was called a hatchet. Let's talk about ICP next time on Hatchet Chat. <laughs> I'm MC Lars. <laughs> I'm MC Snacks, y'all. Whoop, 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 whoop.